finished up last week, uh, Brandon talking about this idea of considering it joy whenever we face trials of many kinds, testing of our faith, uh, bringing us to completion, going through these difficult times. Uh, And James chapter 1 kind of hits this thing uh, as a continuation uh, so that we might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then in James chapter 1 verse 5, it says this, if any of you lack wisdom, so, so you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything, but if any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Now, now if, if you're like me, I, that's, that's really reassuring because every once in a while, there's been occasion where I've lacked wisdom. Uh, there, there's been, there's been uh, circumstances in life that have been difficult where I've needed to know an answer and I've lacked the right uh, answer. And, uh, but it says here that if you lack wisdom, that you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, now this is a part that I struggle with sometimes because then I start looking at this. Because it's like, if you want wisdom, come to God. God's got wisdom. He's going to give you wisdom. But when he asks, he should believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. It's like, oh, well, crap. I thought that... (laughs) I thought if I come to God and ask for wisdom that he's going to give me wisdom... Uh, and now it says, but we, man, you better make sure you ask in the right way. And if you're a math guy, this is where it trips you up, isn't it? Because it's like, maybe I'm not asking the right way. Because I, I, if I don't ask the right way, then I'm not going to get anything from God. Uh, it says that when you come to him and you ask for this wisdom, you better believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, that man should not think he should receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, and he is unstable in all he does. Now, that oftentimes refers to all men, uh, that we are oftentimes unstable in all that we do. But this really, when it comes to looking at this idea of how to, how to navigate through life and how to, how to get through the course of what God is hopefully calling us into and calling us to be and inviting us to be a part of, uh, isn't it true that a lot of times we come up against situations where we just don't know what to do? And so the vast majority of us, what we tend to do is we tend to create systems. We tend to create math worlds around us that will help us to be able to have normal lives. Because the goals of our lives oftentimes is for us to just have a normal life. And so we create this this sense of rhythm, this sense of, of routine in our life. So that we can understand and establish some form or fashion of normalcy. Right? So, so we have a specific time, generally, that we like to get up in the morning. Uh, and then we like to have a certain way that our day functions. First thing in the morning, coffee. Right? For you, those of y'all who are coffee drinkers, first thing out of bed, yeah, I like to have a cup of coffee. Uh, I usually don't talk to too many people before my coffee. Uh, my wife is an early riser. She gets up before me. Uh, and so she's already like a cup down by the time I actually get out of bed. Uh, and so I'm, I'm walking into the kitchen, and so she's ready to conversate. She's ready to talk. She's ready to engage, right? And, and she, she can attest to this. She probably doesn't notice it as much because we kind of have a way of pretending like we're paying attention and know what you're saying as a general rule. Uh, but, but sometimes we, 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 we were unconscious at the time. So we, I walked into the kitchen, and Sonny's just talking about this and that. And she, I was checking email, and, and I'm just like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I look like a drunk man, really. I mean, as I'm walking, because it's just this thing where you just kind of. Ah, there we go. Pour in the cup. And so you got, you got your cup of coffee. And about, about midway through that first cup, you know, then I'm finally, you know, 
conscious and aware that they're actually human beings in the kitchen with me. And, you know, it's been kids and, and dogs and all this kind of stuff running around. But, 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 but it, it seems like whenever we have this routine in our life, it does, I don't know if it, if it does this for you, but it, for, for me, it kind of, when my routine gets interrupted, don't you find that kind of frustrating? Uh, whenever you have this kind of order of how you do life and it just gets, just gets interrupted, you know, just, just saying, just get, get them in the back. It, it just gets, you find this, this point along the way where your life just gets severely interrupted. And I find that whenever, uh, whenever we, we struggle in those moments, I think that those are the times where our first inclination, our first reaction uh, is one of frustration. Yeah, we, we just get frustrated because it, something just didn't work right. It could have been the air conditioner went out. It could have been uh, something happened. Uh, we, we got the call. We got the, uh, a, a struggle or a problem that came our way that we didn't know how to do with, deal with. Uh, and so uh, we react the way most times we react when our life gets interrupted. We get frustrated and we get angry. And uh, sometimes uh, for those of us who, who are spiritual, who are Christ followers, uh, sometimes we, we kind of look at God and say, okay, God, what's going on? Why did you interrupt me this way? Why did you, why did you adjust my life? Why did you change the course of events? I mean, I, I was doing pretty good, and, and I felt like I was walking with you the way I'm supposed to, and all of a sudden you changed things on me, and, and it, I wish you'd leave things the way they were. But then if we did that, if we never went through trials, then we'd never come to this point where we realize that we are needy people, that we really need God, that we need wisdom from God. It's easy to be a Christian, particularly in America, where we don't have to worry about, you know, persecution, someone breaking in with machine guns at any given point, you know, hauling us off into jail. I mean, it's really easy to live the Christian life in America. And I think sometimes because God knows that, I think he brings situations our way that force us to remember that this life is not about us. And it's not about our security. And it's not about uh, us having a routine, a normal life. That this life really is all about God establishing his kingdom on this earth. And he invites us to be a part of what he is doing. And so he brings trials our way to kind of shock our system to enable us to realize that we are needy. So to the point where we have to get answers for these trials. And, and so James encourages us with this idea that if you lack wisdom, if you recognize that you are needy, that you are lacking, that you are deficient, if you are lacking in wisdom, then you can come to God and he will freely give you whatever insight and wisdom you need. And so we have to look at this idea. I mean, first of all, what, what is wisdom? I, I came across this uh, quote by a famous dead guy named Francis Hutcheson, uh, 18th century philosopher. He said these words. He says, wisdom denotes the pursuing of the best ends by the best means. The pursuing of the best ends by the best means. Uh, and again, this, this starts moving more into this idea of English, where uh, it's not math. A lot of times we think wisdom should be math, where there's a right and a wrong answer. And, and, and I don't know if you're in your prayer life, uh, sometimes we come to God and we want God to give us the right or the wrong answer. God, tell me what to do in this situation. And, and do you ever get frustrated with God? 
Uh, whenever you come to him with that, not at all? Good. I'm, I'm thankful because I, I was hoping that, that, that nobody would do it. No, uh, frustration comes because we, we're wanting the right answer. God, just tell me A or B. God, I, I want to know A. Is it A or B? And I'll do whichever one you want. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm humble enough, Lord. I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm humble. And I'm humble enough. I'll do whichever one you want me to do. A, B, just tell me. A or B. Is it A? Just lightning or thunder or some just once for A, twice for B. And you get that old, I was like, was that two? I mean, I mean, it'd be great if it was like a Scantron or something, right? It's like, Lord, I mean, just, I'm just going to fill out some dots and you just tell me which ones are wrong. Right? I mean, because I will change. I will do whatever. I mean, just tell you, is it this road or is it this road? And I feel like sometimes God's looking at us and he's going, you're, you're not asking the right question. You're, you're, you're wanting to know, should I do this or should I do this? Because your goal, your focus is wisdom. Your focus is an answer. And you're focusing on the part of the verse that says, if any of you lack wisdom, and so you're lacking wisdom in this situation, so you're wanting to know what to do, so you find yourself in this position where you're lacking wisdom, and your focus really should be on, then you should talk to God about it. You should engage God. You should recognize that you are lacking right now. And the, the, the primary thing that you should do in this moment is that you should come to God. Well, I did. I'm coming to God, and I'm asking God, A, a or B. But wisdom is not about A or B. Wisdom is found whenever we embrace and engage in a relationship with God. And we follow him. Because God is wisdom. See, he is the one who is moving in this earth. And it's almost like if you want to be a part of wise things, of doing wise things, then you have to get a part of what God is doing in this earth. And you will begin to experience wisdom. It's like wisdom will, will, will come out of God, will, will emit from God, and will be poured into your life by osmosis. It's not by you figuring out the right or the wrong. Because if you look through scriptures, there's a lot of right and wrong, right? I mean, there's, there's some places along the road where you've got, well, yeah, you've got the top ten. You've got the big top ten list of what you're supposed to do, you know. You, no other gods, don't murder, bad, bad, okay, I get that. Shall not commit adultery. You've you got all the stuff, you've got all the lists in here. And then you find Jesus just kind of messing with the lists, Right? It's like murder. I got that. I've never killed anybody. He says, you ever hate anybody? Well, that's not on the list. <laughs> Show me the, where's that? I I'm looking at the list. There's only 10. I thought I could at least do 10. So you, ever, you ever hate anybody? Because that's the same thing as murder. You ever lusted? That's not in there. I know that's not in there. So it's the same thing, same basic principle. So you're looking for the right or the wrong, and really it's more about the principles and having the ideas that go behind the right and the wrong and learning and understanding what those are. 
Uh, and I feel like a lot of times if we're not careful, uh, we'll do one of two extremes. Number one, we'll get to the edge where we realize that, uh, you know, we get the list and right and wrong, and I'm doing all the wrong, and so therefore I'm a, I'm a loser, right? I'm just a horrible person. God must be really frustrated with me. He must really, whenever I look at this list and I look at the stuff that I do versus the stuff that I'm supposed to do and stuff that I'm not supposed to do that I'm doing, it's like I'm looking at this list and I'm realizing that I, I'm not going to be a super Christian. I'm not going to be the person that obviously that God's going to use. I'm going to be one of those just kind of bystander Christians, the guy, the guy that is just going to hang out. You know, it's like I'm, I'm the guy who's like chanting, go, yeah, way to go, super team, getting all the, hoping that the super Christians are going to out, get out there and do their thing, right? Uh, or you do the inverse, which is, which is the, well, you know, I mean, God's just this God of mercy and he's this God of grace and he's just, you know, he's just going to, I can do whatever I want, really, technically, because Jesus Christ paid it all. The blood of Christ covers over all my sin. And so uh, it's all good. Uh, and, and so I'm just going to kind of live my life and explore and expand. And uh, we use this, guys in this area like to use the word freedom in Christ, you know, which, which usually means that I get to do whatever I want to do, right? Which is, you know, it's like, great, Jesus is down the cross so that you could do whatever you want to do. That works out well. So he, uh, so so we into this camp. A lot of times we just assume that that, that this world it, it's all about us, that the focus is us. And then if we get in the situation where life trials struggles come our way, then we come to God and say, Lord, you said in your word, if anyone lacks wisdom, then I should come to you. So I'm coming to you. And if you're over here, you're the right and wrong person. You're the list maker. You're the person who's realizing how far you've fallen and failed. It's like you, you, something comes your way and you just assume what? That you deserved it, right? I mean, of course. Of course, I mean, life went wrong because I'm such a horrible person. I mean, why wouldn't God punish me? Why wouldn't God do all these horrible things to me? Why wouldn't God uh, bring all this terrible tragedy into my life? Because, I mean, simply, I mean, you look at my life and the way that I've lived my life, of course God would not want to use me. See, and the principle is that there's somewhere in the middle, there's Jesus. And so you got Jesus who's, who's coming to uh, the thief on the cross, the one who's broken the commandments. And he's given grace to him. He's, the woman caught in the act of adultery, and he's given grace to this woman. That's why this verse, as you're looking at it, says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all. There's a little phrase right in there. He says, Without finding fault. I love that because it, it, it implies this idea that, that God wants us to come to him. He wants us to want him. He needs us to need him. He loves us. No, wait a second. Okay, getting off track. Here's the thing. When you look throughout Scripture, you find this beautiful picture. I mean, you take it all the way back to the garden, all right? I mean, remember, remember the story in the garden, Garden of Eden, uh, Genesis chapter 1, where, where God creates the heavens and the earth and then uh, creates man. Chapter 2 kind of does this, this major uh, expansion of what it looked like in the creation story. And then it gets to chapter 3, uh, chapter three starting in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. says, now the serpent was more crafty. Remember the story? The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Remember that, remember that portion where God said, don't eat from any tree in the garden. The day you eat of it, you'll surely die. Uh, well, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from any tree that is in uh, the garden. But God did say that you should not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And that you must not touch it or you will die. And he gets to this point. He says, where 
the serpent says, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And I think a lot of times we focus on that little passage, be like God. And so we make it out to be where Eve wanted to be like God. Eve wanted to be God of her own life. Adam wanted to be God of his own life. And I, and I, and I think if, if we adjusted a little bit, uh, maybe focusing on that last section, it says you'll be knowing good and evil. And, and essentially saying you'll, you'll know the right thing to do. When the time comes. And you really, when it comes right down to it, you'll be, you'll be independent. You'll, you won't need God to come in and tell you all the time what's the right thing and what's the wrong thing. It's like you'll always know what the right thing to do is. If you eat this tree, then, then, then you will never have to worry about knowing the right thing or the wrong thing. Now, who doesn't want that? Right? Eve's obviously a math person. Eve's like, well, yeah, right and wrong. That works out pretty well. Verse 8, I mean, verse 6, it says, it says, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, it was good for food. It's important. It's pleasing to the eye, and it was also desirable for gaining what? Wisdom. And you know, James, if any of you lack wisdom, well, Eve's realizing, hey, if I lack wisdom, all I got to do is eat this fruit, and I'll have wisdom. So, she took some, she ate it, she gave some to her husband who was right there with her, and obviously he hadn't had his coffee yet because he's just kind of standing there watching this whole thing transpire, <laughs> not saying anything. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, it seems like a good idea. Fruit. And so he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. And there's a whole slew that goes into this idea of that they realize they're naked. They sewed fig leaves to cover themselves. We've been self-protecting and covering ourselves ever since. But here's the idea. I mean, if you think about it, here's what Eve did and Adam did in the garden. I would love to know the right and the wrong. I want to know the right answer. I, know, I want to know the wrong answer. I want to do the right. I mean, I mean, it wasn't like I'm sure Eve's going, man, if I know what the wrong thing is to do, then I can give that a shot. I mean, I'm sure in her mind, it was this whole idea of, well, gosh, I mean, I don't have to bother God about this anymore. I can just do the right thing. And I'll always know what the right thing is. And that tree was really not so much about, you know, this, this test. I mean, there's, you, you, there's so many elements of it that you can go into to, to make out what this tree represented in the garden and why it was in the center and all this kind of stuff. But here's, here's I think, the simple thing. The simplest part of this is this, that God wanted a relationship with Adam and Eve such that they needed him, that they were dependent upon him for everything. I mean, they could walk through, get the food. It, it, it was all available. But, but God wanted a relationship with Adam and Eve such that they were completely dependent upon him for everything. It's interesting, you know, July 4th, celebrate our independence. Uh, celebrate our independence from Great Britain, 1776. Declaration of Independence is signed. We've got these inalienable rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And we kind of walk through all of these, these ways that we want to be independent. In America, it's, it's real easy for us, I think, to assume that, that we have this right to be completely independent. I don't need others. Uh, I don't need other countries, obviously. I, I can do my own thing. 
And whenever we hit that wall, that point, that trial, that struggle, that difficulty, that place where we don't know what to do, that's, that's why we have such a hard time wrestling through that because we live so much of our lives independent. I mean, if you look at the way we live our lives, isn't it true that a lot of us, the vast majority of us, that our lives don't look anything different from those who are far away from God? We have the same anger. We have the same struggles. We have the same blaming God for the problem. And if we catch this verse, we find that that God's saying, if any of you lack wisdom, if you go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, if you lack wisdom, come to me. I'll give it to you. I will give you everything that you need. I will help you understand what is best and how to live a life that is best. And sometimes best isn't a matter of just right and wrong because best is a matter of coming to God and recognizing that he is best. What I need is not an answer. What I need is him. When I've got him, he will get me where he's going. He will get me to the place that he is leading, that he is walking, that he is moving in this earth. And whenever I just simply come to him, realizing that he doesn't have any kind of grievance against me, he doesn't have any kind of condemnation thrown out my way, that that Jesus Christ kind of covered all of that at the cross. And so, so now I have this capacity to come to him freely, And so I come to him for him. I think that um, when you look at Psalm 111, verse 10, it's it's echoed again in the book of Proverbs, Psalm 111, verse 10. It says these words, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This this fear of the Lord, this this fear of the Lord is not being being afraid of God, like God's going to squash me, God's going to hurt me, God's going to punish me, God's going to... Fear of the Lord really is just having this, this proper perspective, this right attitude, this, this correct view of who God is and who I am in light of who he is. And so I've got this, this vision of who God is, a kind of a clear vision of who God is. And as a result of that, I act accordingly. I walk in, in such a way that I, I obviously am aware of who God is in this universe and who I am in light of who he is. And so that's kind of the idea of this, this, this fear of the Lord. It says, but the fear of the Lord, having this correct perspective on who God is, that that is the beginning point. That is the, the it's like a spring of water, you know? Uh, it's, it's like the very beginning point where the spring kind of flows out of the ground. It's like that's where the place where the river begins. That's the place where the, the stream begins. Uh, it's like if you can get to this point right here, you, you'll be able to be caught up in the river of who God is, because when you recognize God for who he is, that's where wisdom begins. So I start to live my life in the correct perspective of who God is, which means that, that, that he is God and that I'm not, and that, that he's in control of this universe and that I'm not, and that, that he's in control of this world and I am not, and he's in control of this nation and I am not, and he's in control of my life and I am not. And he's in control of my kids and I am not. Although I've demonstrated this past week that I can obviously injure my children. <laughs> we were uh, playing golf, you know, like an, like an injury story that starts off with we were playing golf. Uh, we were playing golf this past weekend and, um, or this past week, and as we're, uh, it's just pouring down rain, right? Which is, again, one of those guys things. Sunny afterwards was like, really? It's like 100% chance of rain today, and you went out and played golf? 
So we're out, we're out playing golf, and so we're with the boys, and I'm with John Lewis. He, he's my brother-in-law, and Tyler, uh, who's my cousin, and my son, who's uh, not here. He's incapacitated right now. Anyway, so, he, uh, so, so we're playing golf, and it starts pouring down rain, and so we're driving our carts back to the main clubhouse, and uh, we come across this one little um, guy jump area angle um, where pouring down rain golf carts and so we're kind of taking shortcuts and all this kind of stuff and one of those shortcuts ended up with me sliding off of the cart path and it was like happened to be down like this ravine area and so my son was thrown from the golf cart and pouring down rain catches his foot on the side of the uh, retaining wall and then you know rolls down the hill into the stream um That's a phone call you want to make to your wife, by the way. I'm <laughs> um, on my way to the uh, urgent care facility with our son. He's okay. And uh, it's kind of my fault. But here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not in control of him. I can't direct his life. I can't direct his path. I can, I can help him. I can hopefully navigate and, and point him in, in, in a good way. But I, I'm not in control of his life. I have, I have really no control over anything. And I feel like it's a guy especially, maybe, I don't know, maybe it is for you as well. Isn't it true that we just, we just want normalcy? We want control so bad. And we'll fight for it and we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we have control. There's, there's such a, a weird uneasy, desperate feeling whenever we lose control. I mean, whenever I'm sliding off of the cart path and I'm, I'm turning, I'm doing whatever, I'm, I'm trying my best to keep this thing on the cart path and we're sliding and I have no control. And then my son is ejected at some point along the way and, and I realize, oh my gosh, I have zero control over this circumstance. And I think if we came to God with that kind of an attitude more often, on a more regular basis, we may not need as many trials in our life. If we would come to God with a more consistent sense of desperation and realization that I have zero control, God, over my life. And I need you. I've got to have you. If I, if I wake up tomorrow morning after I've taught, after I've done the sermon prep, and after I've done all that kind of stuff, because, you, I mean, whenever you're prepping, it's like, Lord, I need you. I got, you got to come through. You got to, God, I got to have you. And then Monday morning hits, and, and the tendency, this is kind of inside the little pastor thing, and the tendency for Monday morning is, the, I'm going to skip coffee this morning. I'm just going to go and just kind of veg out. But what if, like, like for me, what if, like, tomorrow morning I got up and, like, I woke up this morning? God, i got to have you. You've got to show up. Or I'm not going to be able to get through this day. If any of you lack the capacity to know what is best for your life, then come to God because he will give generously everything you need 
out of relationship and intimacy with him. And when you are intimate with him and when you're walking with him and whenever you're, you're experiencing the, the, this complete and total dependence upon God, you begin to realize that he is moving and he's accomplishing things in this earth and he's moving in a direction. And when I'm walking with him in the day, I start to notice the things that are important to him. And I start to value the things that he values. And I start to see the way he sees. And I start to, to look at the people around me the way that he looks at the people around me. And I start to have a heart for those people like he has a heart for those people. There's a passage in, in 1 Kings. We're not going to show it up on the screen or anything. But there's a passage in 1 Kings where, where, where Solomon is, becomes king over the nation of Israel, and, and uh, God comes to him in a dream, and he communicates to him, uh, you can ask me for whatever you want, just whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And what, what Solomon asked for was for wisdom. He said, he said that the, my, my, my father, David, he was the king. You've obviously blessed him, did all these wonderful things. But, but here's the thing. I'm just a kid. I don't know anything like he does. I don't have the, the wisdom that he does. I need wisdom more than anything else. Would you give me wisdom? Why? So that I can direct these people, these people that you have given me, these people that you have entrusted me with. Will you give me wisdom so that I can know how to properly interact with your people? And because he asked for, for wisdom, not for himself, not just so it's like, oh, I, just, I just want to know what the right thing is to do in this, every situation. He says, no, I want to know how to help and how to minister and how to interact with your people better. And so would you give me wisdom? I think sometimes uh, we get this bottleneck with God simply because of the fact that we're coming to God selfishly. We're not asking God to help us to have eyes that view the world the way he views the world that interacts with his people the way that he wants to interact with his people. And if we would come with a more uh, sense of urgency and a sense of dependency and a sense that, that God is on mission in this world. He is, his routine is extending his kingdom in this world. That's his day. When we come to him embracing what he is doing, with the same desires and the same direction and the same goal, that he will surround us with wisdom. Wisdom will leak into our lives. And we'll understand and know what the right thing to do is when the time comes. We give ourselves such a hard time about making the right decisions. We give ourselves such a difficult time over whether or not we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And maybe we should be asking the question, am I doing the God thing? Am I doing the thing, Father, that, that you're doing in this earth? Because that answers a lot of the questions that we have in life. There's a great story that we find in uh, the book of Exodus. Um, Exodus uh, chapter 30 uh, and through 33, and we find that, that Moses comes down from the mountain. And uh, he's got the Ten Commandments with him. See, you saw the movie? Anybody? Right, so uh, he's coming down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and 
uh, hears this, uh, the roaring from the camp down below while he was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments and lightning and all this cool, you know, special effects going on. Uh, Aaron was down uh, below, and uh, the people had kind of talked him into making this golden calf. Uh, and so Aaron collected all the gold from the people, and he made this golden calf because they wanted a God that they could see. They wanted a God that they could worship. Uh, and so they wanted to have this calf that would represent God for them, uh, that they'd be able to worship. And so Aaron makes this calf, and then uh, Moses comes down from the mountain, and so he's, he's hearing the rumbling. Joshua's kind of midway, and he's kind of waiting on him. He says, oh, something, you know, there's thunder or something's going on. He says, no, 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 bad things going on down the camp. So they go down, and they see all this stuff going on, and then Moses is like, what the... What are, you, what, what are you guys doing? Seriously. We've only been gone 40 days. I mean, what, what are you all doing here? And Aaron, I love this point. You know, Aaron in the story is just like, I don't know. I just threw this gold in the fire and out comes this calf. See, it's really crazy stuff as you, as you go back and read it. But, but so, so here's, what, here's what happens. So, so God, God is really frustrated and angry with his people, right? And so, so uh, Moses, uh, he decides he's going to go intercede for the people. And, and he talks to them. And, and so he and God are having this conversation. And God tells Moses, I'll tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go before you just like I promised. I'm going to send my angel out in front of you. They're going to do, help you defeat all the people of the land, the promised land. Um, but I'm not going to go with you. I mean, you're going to get the promise. You're going to get everything, right? Land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to get it all. Angel's going to go before you. You're not going to have to worry about all the fights, battles, all that kind of stuff. You're, it's all going to get taken care of. I'm not going to go with you. I'm pretty sure if I went with you, I'd probably destroy you along the way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of... And I don't think it was God having a temper tantrum or anything like that. I think it was just... Because I've had, you ever felt like that when, with your kids maybe? Where it's like, I'm, if I, if I, I'm just going to go away for a few moments. and Otherwise, I'm going to destroy you along the way. Um, so, but, but, but God's saying, look, here's the deal, Moses. I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I think it was kind of a test for Moses. He says, you want to know what the right thing or the wrong thing to do is? I'll send my angel before you. I'll give you the answer that you need. I'll put you in the place that you want to be. Is that what you want? Because I'll give you what you want. And Moses' response in this, in this moment was really uh, very inspired. Moses said, God, if you do not lead us up from here, if you do not go with us, then do not take us from this place. Do not take us from this place unless you go with us. Because that was his response. God walked with them. Now, interestingly enough, they had spent 40 years in the wilderness. But God was with them every step of the way in the wilderness. If we want just right answers... If we want God, God just A or B, there will come a point in time where God would say, if all you want is an answer, then A. But what God's looking for, he's looking for a man or woman whose heart is such as like, Lord, I just want you. And I just want to go where you're going. And as we're going, I'm going to trust that you're going to whisper in my ear, go to the left and go to the right. Move in this direction. Move in that direction. Because that's the source of wisdom. Want to know what the right thing to do is? What the wrong thing to do is? Want to know how to, how to live your life? It's, it's very, very simple. 
wake up every morning with a complete dependence and desperation on who God is, recognizing that Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross is sufficient to invite you and, and, and bring you into proper relationship with him. And live your life on mission for him.